Welcome to the Blue Earth Podcast. I'm John Sherburn, producer for the show, and our host today is the talented Dr. Colleen Bielitz. Our guest today is Jonathan McGee, a Connecticut native and sustainability advocator. He is the creator of New England Sea Farms, an aquaculture company established in 2019 that was created and driven by the mission of recreating our food supply chain for healthier humans and a healthier planet. The first venture for New England Sea Farms is sugar kelp cultivation in the Long Island Sound. Future plans include increased scale, increased scale of kelp farming as well as promoting additional sustainable resources. Let's get into it. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Blue Earth Podcast, which is part of Future Frogmen, a nonprofit fostering future leaders to protect the ocean. I'm your host, Dr. Colleen Bielitz. Today in the studio, our guest is Jonathan McGee, who launched a blue economy business in 2019 called New England Sea Farms. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you, Colleen. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak about this. Yeah, it's great having you here. And I always love to ask my guests how their passion began. And I believe you have a deep history of love for the Long Island Sound, and it all starts with a cottage on the beach. Can you tell us more about that? Sure, sure. Happy to. Um, yes, you are correct. Uh, a lifelong love of the Long Island Sound. Um, uh, I am from Connecticut. I was raised in Middletown and Old Saybrook, and um, and it was uh, in Old Saybrook that our families spent the, the uh, summers growing up. Um, so, um, so I grew up in the summers on the Long Island Sound, um, spent all my time on the water, on the beach, either fishing, drag netting for bait, um, sailing, boating. And, and from that point, it's always been uh, one of my greatest loves. Yeah, I, I have to say a lot of people have that experience, you know, once you grow up near the ocean and you're near a body of water, it kind of instills that love for the rest of your life. And now you've gotten into kelp farming, which is part of your business at New England Sea Farms. And I thought it was interesting when I was talking to you that the whole uh, farming for yourself began when you watched a TV show and that's what sparked your interest. So I was wondering if you could tell us more about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's uh, it's pretty interesting. So it was uh, April of 2018, and um, I just finished watching some football um, at my home in Essex, Connecticut, uh, with my family. And a 60 Minutes episode came on featuring Bren Smith of an organization called Green Wave and also a company called Thimble Island Oyster Company. And it gave uh, a report about how Bren had started this process of cultivating sugar kelp on long lines in the Long Island Sound. And it went through the processes, it went through the values, it went through Bren's story and how he came to that. And with having, as we discussed, a lifelong love of the Long Island Sound, uh, I looked at this at this report and and I was just enthralled. I said, "Okay, this is this is something that I can get behind." <laughs> and uh, and in fact, that evening I posted a link to the to the um, episode on Facebook and uh, and exclaimed to my friends, "This is what I'm going to do when I grow up." <laughs> 
so that that started it really. Um, you know, that was in jest. I, uh, you know, I, I, I have a career and, and an established career and, you know, not looking to change it. Um, but that did pique my interest to say the least. Uh, so from there, I ended up investigating it further, um, just out of pure curiosity um, and slash passion. And, uh, and as I went along, I realized, you know what? I actually can do this. And, um, and that started it. Yeah. I, you know, Bren has sparked that interest in a lot of different people. And we work very closely with GreenWave as well. And it all centers around kelp. So for those who are new to the show, maybe, John, you can explain a little about the benefits of kelp, what you have learned as you started to explore this you know, new field. Yes, yes. So a, a, few, a few of the highlights about the values of kelp. So kelp is, as a food product, highly nutritious. Um, and, uh, and there are a couple, a couple areas where that, um, that I'd like to expound upon a little bit. So it has uh, numerous vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, omega-3 fats, um, very high in fiber. It's an incredibly healthy and nutritious food to eat. Um, the other nutritional value of kelp is that we now have studies that show that kelp can actually mitigate weight loss as well as fat accumulation. Um, it fights against inflammation and also fibrosis in the liver. So, so consuming kelp is incredibly nutritious and it also assists in uh, metabolic rates, just general physical activity of, of the consumer and uh, energy expenditure. A few other things um, uh, from an environmental aspect, which is a very important component here, is that uh, cultivating this food product, cultivating kelp requires zero inputs. Uh, so that means that you do not need arable land, no fertilizer, no pesticides, and no fresh water. Um, third point, kelp cultivation is environmentally regenerative. Um, specifically, kelp removes carbon and nitrogen from the water. So growing kelp literally improves the environment while taking nothing from it. Uh, in addition, there are a number of other benefits of kelp and applications for kelp. We have um, actually several early studies that show um, uh, livestock, cattle, uh, fed with a diet that is fortified with kelp drastically reduces the methane gas emissions from the kelp. The, uh, the number is really, really staggering. It's about a 90% reduction. And, yeah. and, um, and, and with the, you know, we obviously consume a lot of beef as a, as a country, as a world. And we know that the methane gas emissions is a, a legitimate contributor to climate change. So imagine reducing that methane gas by 90%. Right. You've also got other applications, um, biodegradable plastics. Um, you've got uh, cosmetic applications, uh, land fertilizers. You also have the ability um, because because it does remove carbon from the environment. So you have the ability to sell carbon offsets to, uh, to corporations who are seeking to reduce their overall carbon footprint. So those are some of the highlights of the benefits of kelp. 
Yeah. I know there's a, a number of them. And what most people don't know is that they have kelp in their everyday products that they don't even realize. Like uh, there's a type of kelp that's added to peanut butter that makes it more spreadable. And it's the same with your toothpaste, which makes the toothpaste creamy when it comes out of the tube. And uh, kelp is, like you said, used for a number of different things. I know you went back to school uh, for your MBA and you and I had talked about your 595 project. So you have great ideas and you advance your education and you have this passion for kelp farming. If you could tell us a little bit about how you went about creating New England Sea Farms, if you could. Sure, sure, absolutely. So, so uh, you know, as I mentioned, there was the initial interest and then the follow-up um, research and uh, and then the the uh, moment where I realized, you know, this is something that I can do and obviously want to do. At that point, I was, I had gone back to school to, uh, to get my, to earn my MBA. And, uh, and I had the opportunity to uh, work on creating New England Sea Farms as not only something that I wanted to do, but a requirement for my course of study. This was important because it took a lot of time. Uh, investigating, uh, investigating the, the the fine details and putting together a business plan for this business uh, was arduous, um, primarily because it's it's brand new. So you don't have historical data to um, to quantify uh, business cases and and things like that. So I was able to put everything together. I um, in the process. I interviewed anybody and everybody who I could in the industry um, throughout the entire Northeast of the country. And uh, by the time I was done and I'd completed the, the um, business plan, I had, uh, I had met industry leaders. I had uh, not all my questions answered because they're still being formulated today, but, but all the questions I could think of, I had experienced uh, actually going onto a farm and uh, and harvesting and um, and I had uh, put in my uh, application with Greenwave for their farmer and training program mm. and then I just went through the process of starting the business. Yeah, and that's just it. It takes a lot to get in there. You did your background research, and it is difficult because this is a nascent field. I mean, the blue economy is really just at its beginning, so to speak. And now that we know the how, can you tell us more about your business? What, what is it and what is your mission? Yes, our mission is to recreate our food supply chains for healthier humans and a healthier planet. Hmm. That simple and that grand. Yeah, and I know that getting a business like that off the ground is one thing, as every entrepreneur knows, but you always end up hitting additional barriers that arise um, what are the barriers to market that you've had to overcome so far? And maybe you could tell the listeners, how did you clear them? Well, the barriers to market initially were as, as far as setting up the business, setting up the, um, the operations were, were known and quantifiable. So, so those weren't hard to clear. Uh, but the barriers to actually creating a sustainable business where you're selling product and you're able to... Uh, to continue this entity, which has so many benefits, all comes down to one thing, and it's market creation. And that is a barrier that is continually being being navigated by all of us in the industry. So it's certainly not not cleared, 
but we make steps to clear it all the time. Um, the great thing is that the value proposition, and you know, I forgive that that more business term. We're talking about such an environmentally beneficial industry, but the value proposition of kelp is so is so strong when you consider the nutritional values, when you consider the environmental values, and and so when you engage uh, consumers or potential consumers, the message is very easy to relay. So, so, you know, it's like you said, it's, it's, it's a brand new market or actually it's not quite a market. It's an evolving market. So it's up to all of us to, uh, to create the market. I will say that when you introduce kelp to most people, most people, and certainly anybody, you know, X generation and younger, it's embraced. You know, people not only are interested, but they quickly become enthusiastic about it. And, um, you know, so overall, you know, I've been in the business world for a long time and, uh, <laughs> and I've been involved in marketing products that are, are difficult, uh, that are challenging and, and in products that are, that are easier and I can definitely tell you that kelp is a product that is easy to sell. Mm. And, you know, let's pivot there because I know you were talking about your experience in marketing and you have over 20 years of sales and marketing experience. How are you using that skill set that you've gained in other industries and now pivoting them in this nascent field of kelp farming? Yeah, I, that's... Um, that's a fun question for me because you know when I one of the things that I that I looked at when I was getting into this was uh, not only my 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 love of the of the ideas my my passion for the sound um, and and everything about kelp farming, but I also considered um, what I bring to the table and and my experiences in um, in sales and marketing and uh, and and I also have have um, a lot of experience in, in industrial packaging and, um, and food packaging, medical packaging, pharmaceutical packaging. Uh, these are all skill sets that, that I knew would help me along the way. Um, you know, from a, just a sales and marketing standpoint, certainly have, um, have a lot of experience in, in targeting, you know, finding the target markets, um, developing strategies, developing um, messages, and, um, and then going about gathering the audiences and, and, and delivering the messages. One thing that I learned throughout this process, and, and one, of the, one of the obstacles for this whole industry has been, um, because it's new, the infrastructure to create these products and get them out are also in their infancy. So what that basically means is that that processing facilities, uh, including you know food contract manufacturers and so forth, are are very limited. Um, so there are very few there are very few entities to help you bring these products to a final consumer product to get them out and to sell them. So I knew that that would. I knew that my my experience in industrial packaging would help me with that because I because I understand uh, food packaging I understand um, the logistics I'm I'm a Connecticut um, Green Wave uh, kelp farmer which means I'm I'm uh, HACCP certified so I understand the uh, the critical control points and uh, and so I knew that that background would allow me 
to uh, to assist the industry in in bringing these products from the farm to a finished product to somebody's kitchen and dining room. Yeah, and I have to say, we need more people like you with these different skill sets to come in and be entrepreneurs in this field of uh, kelp farming and the blue economy. Uh, you just are a great example of how somebody can be in one industry and then move into this particular one. But you're right; it's almost like the chicken and egg, you know, theory here with all of the businesses that are trying to emerge. But you mentioned, you know, the infrastructure isn't there quite yet when I think about things like cold storage or drying facilities, uh, transportation, uh, even, uh, you know, the big kitchens to cook uh, different products. Like we need more of those in Connecticut, but they don't want to build them till they know there's a market, but yet, you know, we have to create that market. So, it is difficult in some sense, but it's very exciting in the other because we can see the future and we know what that future is going to be. And we know how vital uh, the blue economy is and how vital kelp farming is as well. And if we take a look at New England sea farms and everything that you have planned, maybe you could tell me some of your short-term goals or your long-term plans. What do, you, what do you have or what do you foresee for the business in the short and long-term? So in the short term, uh, we are a single kelp farm that's uh, located off the coast of Guilford, Connecticut, and uh, it's a five-acre site. Uh, we just outplanted our second year's crop. The first year was um, set with, uh, with simple aspirations, which were operational, which were basically, um, will the kelp grow here is this a good spot for it um, because you know it's we set up the site um, you know we went through all the you know the due diligence and you know certainly we're under the strong belief that it was a that was an it was an excellent spot but we wanted to make sure because the certainly the last thing you want to do is invest in all of the gear and everything for an entire farm and then find out that um, that maybe you should try a different spot so we wanted to make sure the product was going to grow and the other part was for me personally, I wanted to make sure that I, that I really wanted to do it. I knew that I wanted to do it in theory, but I had never actually spent time out on the boat in the Long Island Sound in the middle of winter. I, I thought I would be fine with it. And, uh, and it turned out that not only was I fine with it, I actually, um, actually found it to be incredibly enjoyable. So, uh, so this year we have the, uh, we outplanted several lines and our focus now is tending to the farm, which is a once every week or two visit out to the farm to, uh, you know, to perform some, some tests, um, check the water, check uh, a number of things. And um, obviously the growth, check the gear, all that stuff. Uh, but in addition to that, our big focus right now is, is marketing and it's, um, and it's creating the applications because, because now we know that we're going to continue doing this. We're going to continue growing it, uh, both the product and the and the scale. Now we've got to make sure we've got we've got a uh, a way to create some revenue off of it. So so we are deep in our marketing efforts right now, and uh, and they're very exciting. Um, as far as um, as far as future years, uh, the next step within the next uh, the next two or three years, I see. Uh, scaling the um, kelp production, and um, actually have identified another site which would possibly um, 
go live for us in say two to three years. And, um, and then gradually incorporate other sustainable, um, sustainable products, sustainable resources. Um, a few examples, one is, is shellfishing. So, um, if you look at the uh, value proposition again of um, of cultivating oysters and clams and mussels, it's a very similar similar um, situation to uh, to kelp, where you're requiring zero inputs, you're literally improving the environment, and you're providing incredibly delicious and highly nutritious food. The difference with shellfish is there actually is a market, so that's that. So that uh, that might have been the easier place to start. Um, so so to get involved in shellfishing and, and and also to get involved in promoting overall sustainable uh, fishing models. Uh, you know we you know as a society tend to eat a lot of the um, you know the apex predators. We eat a lot of the big fish and. Um, and we ignore so many of the really delicious fish that are that are in such abundance, and uh, and in doing so, we we create an imbalance. So we are very focused from a long term perspective to start utilizing and and again, it creates it's a lot about market awareness, but start utilizing the um, what people have traditionally looked at as junk fish or you know just the the stuff that they would catch by accident while they were trying to catch something else. So you're talking about dogfish, you're talking about, you know, and, and speaking locally, you're talking about dogfish, skate, um, scup or porgy, um, uh, uh, blackfish to a degree, uh, sea bass. Um, you know, these, uh, sea robin is another one. These are fish that are in great abundance and, and they're incredibly delicious. And, by utilizing them, we end up creating a better balance in the um, in the in the ocean's um, overall ecosystem. So that's certainly um, certainly part of uh, of our long term goals. Yeah, and you uh, mentioned the sustainability part and utilizing uh, the fish that are like lower on the food chain, so to speak. And here I'm going to kind of tie what you're talking about to future frogmen, which is actually now part of the new Long Island Sound Ocean Cluster. It's called LISOC for short. And LISOC's mission is to connect students, researchers, entrepreneurs, the business community, and non-governmental and governmental affiliates with one another. And to inclusively pursue, promote, and develop opportunities for knowledge and value creation in the sustainable blue economy, right? It's really about pulling everyone in and from every area and utilizing them towards a common goal. And the Long Island Sound Ocean Cluster is actually part of a greater set of ocean clusters that started with the Iceland Ocean Cluster. And uh, in Iceland, they use every, every part of the fish, nothing goes to waste. And it would be great for us to kind of step in and have that same model you know, that they utilize. Um, and I just wanted to, for our listeners who don't know what the blue economy is, I like using the World Bank's definition, which is the sustainable use of ocean resources for economic growth, improved livelihoods and jobs while preserving the health of our ocean's ecosystem. And at uh, Southern Connecticut State University, Dr. Patrick Heidkamp and I have a project running called Project Blue. And it was created through a grant uh, funded by CT Next, which was the initial step toward creating a 
Blue Economy Research Tech, Tech Transfer and Innovation Hub in New Haven, Connecticut, and actually kind of go along with you, our Project Blue's tagline, which we got from Dr. Emma Cross's Kelp Save the World, mm. because we know about all the different benefits. And your company, New England Sea Farms, is using kelp as a catalyst for new innovations. And now you're part of this vital blue economy. And as you noted, um, I just wanted to touch upon this. There's many benefits to growing kelp, but in my opinion, the big one is that it can absorb and hold carbon, which might otherwise end up contributing to rising global temperatures. And for anybody that doesn't know, when that happens, when that, cap that carbon is captured, it's called carbon sequestration. And efforts to grow and restore kelp beds to capture more carbon are increasingly seen as a tool to help counter the effects of that warming ocean. So I love that you were out there and that you were um, you know, growing kelp and you're helping to mitigate uh, you know, some of the carbon that's out there. And what I really wanna do is for our listeners, I wanna dive into what it's like to be a kelp farmer. You know, I wanna give our listeners a feel for what it's like for you. Can you tell us about your days you know, what the experience is like for you. I, I, if you can, with, with words, just paint a picture for our listeners, if you will, to kind of tell us, you know, what are your days like? Oh, sure, sure. You know, I am always happy to talk about kelp and kelp farming as, uh, as my wife and, uh, and our daughters <laughs> and close families will, will attest. I'm definitely accused of being a geek a lot. Um, <laughs> so so I, I have a couple directions for that answer. So one, I'll try to paint a picture of the operational side. And, um, and I'll also mention what it's like to be in this industry. So from the operational side, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I, um, you know, part of my plan uh, last year was to confirm that I wanted to, in fact, do this, that I wanted to go out on the water in the winter and cultivate kelp. So, uh, and, and I had mentioned that I, that I'm, I found that I, that I love doing it. And, um, and so here's kind of why, you know, it's, it's a uh, picture, a, um, an early February, um, late morning, about 35 degrees. Um, so, uh, you know, you pick your times when you're going to go out. So you don't go, you know, you, you try to, you work with the weather. You do what's what's allowed. So you're not going to go out in 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 high winds. You're not going to go out in you know when it's snowing. Um, so you're picking a time where say it's 35 degrees, um, uh, hopefully calm from a water pers a wind perspective, and um, and hopefully sunny. And uh, and where my farm is from port is about a is about a mile. So um, so you're 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 dressed appropriately for warmth and, uh, and certainly for safety, because the last thing you want to do is, is, is find yourself in the water. Um, and if you do, you need to make sure you survive. <laughs> so you're dressed for, uh, for warmth and safety. Um, you know, you're, you're taking the ride, uh, out of port into the sound. Um, you know, Long Island Sound is so incredibly beautiful. So yes. th this part of the sound is, is, uh, you know, I start out, um, looking at a lot of small islands, great coastline. Um, Faulkner's Island ends up being directly uh, south of me uh, as I start the journey. And then as I go along the coast of um, uh, the coast of Guilford and uh, 
uh, it's just such an incredibly serene uh, process. I mean, it, it's, you know, for one thing, it's um, you're the only person in the world mm. because nobody is out on the water, just you. Right. And, uh, and, and there's something that's incredibly calming about that. Um, but it's not, uh, it's just you in terms of humans, but you are out there with, um, with, with, you know, certainly other creatures. So you've got different birds, um, uh, different times of the year, you're going to have, uh, you're going to have some, you know, a seal or two pop up and say, hi, um, you're really, you're really, you know, it's just you, the Long Island Sound and it's other inhabitants and, um, and everything is very calm. Uh, again, hopefully, because wind is not your friend when you're doing that. Right. And then, um, you know, you get out to the farm, you, um, you know, you go through the processes of, of um, you know, recording data, uh, checking, checking growth and all of that good stuff. Um, it's incredibly gratifying to, uh, to watch the kelp grow on the lines. Um, by that point in February, you, um, you might just take a piece off the line and, and eat it, uh, which is incredible sensation to eat mm. a, a blade of kelp right off the line. Yeah. And then, um, and then you, uh, you head back in and it's a, it's a great way. I mean, it's, you know, you're doing work. Um, but you know, for me, it's, uh, for me, it's, it, it, for me, it's not work. Right. And, and the other thing I'd mention is working in the industry, you know, you have this, um, this, um, industry that is uh, where the market is being created. So everybody who I've met throughout the process of setting up the business and everybody I've met uh, since then, there's one thing that, that you realize right away, and that's that there's this camaraderie with, with all the stakeholders, different farmers, uh, different entrepreneurs, um, different people in the regulatory agencies, um, different people in... Um, in our educational institutions, including yours. And, uh, and so we all have, have one, one single goal um, that unites us, which obviously we have, we have other goals individually, but there is one goal that unites us all and that's creating this market. So it, it's, it provides this great framework for people who would be, if there was a, a mature market competitors to, uh, to be very open, very collaborative with the, with the understanding that, look, you know, my farm and, um, and other farms are, uh, are at this point, not competitors. We are, uh, we are trying to create a market and, and hopefully at some point we'll become competitors. <laughs> so it's, so it's really collaborative and, and the people involved, um, you know, have, uh, you know, have a love for, for the process. You know, there's, there's not a quick payoff in this. So, you know, part of getting, part of getting into this is, yeah, there are um, economic rewards down the road, but, but they're not happening right away. And, um, and so you better enjoy what you're doing. And, uh, and so that part of it has been incredibly fun. There are, there are so many seaweed geeks out there and, uh, and, and, we all just enjoy it and we enjoy <laughs> geeking out together. Yeah. So that, that's how I would answer that question in two parts. No, I, I agree. I mean, you and I connected through this uh, Sea Grant Symposium on seaweed back in the beginning of March 2020, right before COVID hit. 
which it still seems surreal how the world has changed since we were at that symposium uh, in Rhode Island. And I know that we've met spectacular people uh, along the way, like yourself, you know, who have this passion for the ocean and for sustainability and for doing all that we can on growing this uh, seaweed industry. And maybe you could just briefly talk about, uh, you had mentioned kind of what people are like or some of the people that you've met. What really stands out to you? Uh, you and I had had a discussion and there's one thing in particular that you had highlighted and I wanted to touch upon. Yeah. Well, well, the, well, one thing you notice, you notice quickly and, and, and um, you know, and I didn't, I'm not the only one who noticed this. <laughs> Um, is that this is a um, this is not your typical um, you know commercial fishing uh, group of, of, of people um, you know if you look at sort of the you know old-fashioned uh, you know stereotypes of uh, you know the Gordon you know, the uh, Gordon fisherman the Gor yeah, yeah <laughs> a, a, a bearded fisherman you know you know um, well weathered and everything um, the, the typical person involved in this industry, um, uh, in, in all, in all areas, uh, from, from the actual operations, the farming, um, to the, uh, to the business side, to the educational side, to the regulatory side, it's overwhelmingly, um, female, uh, dominant, which is, uh, which is interesting. Um, and, uh, <laughs> There's uh, actually, there's a, a quote that I really like, and uh, I wrote it down. I wanted to read it for you. Um, this, is, uh, this is from my friend and, uh, and someone who I admire greatly and who helped me out a lot, and we collaborate together all the time. Um, I'm named Susie Flores, who owns a uh, company called Stonington Kelp Company. Mm -hmm. Susie is, is certainly one of the, the people who is... Uh, who has been and continues to, to do the most to advance this. And Susie had a great quote and it, and you can find it on her Instagram page too, for Stonington Kelp Company. But the quote is simple and it says, old salty men or someone like me, the stereotype hasn't been created yet. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and, but it, it seems to, um, it seems to be going in that direction. Um, you know, there's, so many of the farmers are are female. So many of the business people are female. Um, you know, we've got a an industry leader in in Maine um, who's the CEO of a company called Atlantic Sea Farms, um, named uh, Brianna Warner, who um, who does so much for the for this industry. And um, you know, and if you look at the different companies involved, you know, her company has uh, is is majority female. If you look at Green Wave, mm -hmm. and Green Wave is really the epicenter for all of this. Green Wave, um, obviously, it's founded by Brad Smith, and uh, and and uh, but most of the people who work there and run it are are women. The vast majority, right? Um, all the ones at the symposium were uh, women from uh, Green Wave, which was great to see. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's very interesting. And part of the reason that's interesting to me is that we have three daughters and, um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, it's hard to articulate really how, um, how important it is for that to be the case, how valuable, how, you know, inspiring it is to me, um, when looking out, you know, when looking at, at our daughter's, um, futures and the, you know, the world that the world that we're creating, um, and uh, you know, on a, and on a 
And on a smaller level, um, our daughters see this, they're cognizant of this and, uh, and they, uh, and they're becoming involved in the, in the farm and the processes. And, um, and, you know, it's, um, it, it's just to me, it's a sign of good things to come. It's a sign of uh, a good place, you know, that we've, you know, uh, you know, as we evolve as a society, because certainly, you know, most industries have not been uh, female dominant. So I'm, so I'm happy to see that. I'm proud to be a part of that. So when I, Think about, you mentioned the world that we're creating, and I like to end every podcast with that message of hope. And at Future Frogmen, as we work to foster future leaders to protect the ocean, what can you tell us about your work and that message of hope for all of those who are listening? Well, you know, I'll tell you, you know, overall, um, you know, we've talked about the values and, uh, and the growth. Um, you know, what I, what I can say from a message of hope is that kelp farming and other other sustainable activities that have these huge impacts on uh, on people on the planet um, are are growing and um, th- they're growing in numbers they're growing in energy you know the more the um, the younger generations and and I'm an X Gen and uh, so my Daughters will say that I'm certainly not a part of a younger generation, but I'm still clinging <laughs> on to that. So, you know, um, you know, X Gen, Millennial, and, and now Gen Z, the um, the the enthusiasm for for all the things we've talked about is it, you could see it growing, you could feel it growing. It's um, you know, there's um, there there are so many people out there with um, who are driven by these by a similar mission to that of New England Sea Farms. And, uh, and we need it. And uh, I feel like we're getting it. So, I mean, that's, that's one of the things that makes me optimistic. You know, I, you know, see, you know, our daughters uh, be excited to go on, on, out onto the farm. They're excited to tell their friends about um, this company that dad started and, and, you know, and, and, you know, what it's all about. So, uh, you know, we need to make changes uh, for sure in our world. We've got big challenges. And, uh, you know, I see a lot of optimism in, in this area. Yeah, well, as a fellow Gen Xer, I want to say thank you for that message, John McGee. And best of luck with New England Sea Farms. Thank you for being on our show today. And for everyone listening, please keep in mind that while we have a lot to do, there is still hope for us as we work towards protecting our oceans. It's listeners like you, our ocean stewards and citizen scientists. You are the ones helping us make a difference. If there is a topic you would like for us to touch upon or a guest speaker you would like us to have on the show, please feel free to contact us at info at futurefrogmen.org or visit our website. Keep in mind, it is not too late for us to rewrite the future of our blue earth so that it will remain a vibrant and sustainable source of life. We must take action today to protect our most precious life-giving resource. Join us as we make others aware of the impact we all have on our world and help us lead the way, not just with our voices, but our daily actions. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Blue Earth Podcast. If you want to hear more from us, you can check us out at futurefrogmen.org or on social media at futurefrogmen. We post episodes every Monday, so until next time, remember, anyone can be an ocean ambassador. Thanks.